Thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited that you took time out of your busy schedule to come and speak to me. It means a lot. No, yes. Thank you for reaching out. Look, when I when you told me about uh, Mrs. Prentice, I was like, that's like my second mom. So thank you for reaching out. Like, thank you. I'm always honored when people are like, hey, I want to interview or hey, let's talk or something. I'm like, really me? <laughs> This is the lovely Bria Simone Henderson, best known for her work as Dr. Jordan Allen in the hit TV series on ABC, The Good Doctor, as well as her role playing Margaret Sloan in Mrs. America. So along with theater arts, Bria is a spoken word poet, youth mentor, has traveled the world, been to Africa, sharing her gifts, and she's been in so many productions. As you like it, fucking A. Vagina monologues, just so many good works. And we're just here to just talk a little bit about her experience in the industry and just being a black woman of substance. So being at Spelman, kind of being around people like you and just kind of feeling, cause I too went to an HBC or still go to an HBCU. You kind of learn more about yourself. You appreciate what it is to be a black woman. So how is that switch from being around a bunch of people like you to moving to a PWI and probably being one of you black women, you know, in acting or just in the school in, in general? Yeah, um, great question. It definitely, I felt like Dorothy <laughs> in the place, like she's not at home anymore. This is a different place. Um, Spelman, and I know that you have the same experience at your HBCU, but I feel like HBCUs are very nurturing and mothering to us. They really build us up and give us tools that we need to go out into the world and navigate it with our own compass without being influenced by other things that wouldn't see our, our worth. So they give us all these things and they nurture us and it's like we're in like this incubator, you know, and we're just being birthed and molded and crafted into these free thinking people and um, these and black people who want to move through the world with no boundaries and, and push through at the, the glass ceilings. And then you leave a place like that and then you go to a place that truly reflects the world and you really have to now exercise the tools and the the morals that you were giving and the things that this HBCU kind of, you know, gifted to you. Now you have to exercise it. It's different to exercise it at the place that says, hey, you are worthy of everything. Hey, you are smart. Hey, you are boundless. Hey, you are limitless. Now you're going to the world that looks at you like, no, you can only do this. No, you can only do that. No, 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 you sound a little, you're intimidating when you talk to me in this way. No, I think this is the box you fit in. And now I have to now exercise the things that I learned and that I took on as the, my truth in this place that thinks it's bizarre, that only sees me in one, one way, in one vein. And it was really hard. It was a hard transition and it never got easy. Like I had to fight. Um, for all of my opportunities. I had to fight to keep my voice alive. I had to fight to take care of myself, to create safe spaces and boundaries. I had to learn that I couldn't fight every single ba battle. I had to pick the smart ones. I had to pick the ones that I was willing to die on the hill for because you can't fight every single battle or I would not have survived th those three years in a PWI, which is also, I went to the University of Washington in Seattle and it was a grad acting program. So that's nine to five. Monday through Friday, I'm with the 
with majority white people teaching me a black body um, how to act um, in a world that doesn't even see me in many shows and projects and only sees me in a limited way. And now I have to be taught by people who kind of share those same views. Um, so it was definitely challenging. Uh, depression <laughs> was a big part of my three years there and trying to find my voice and where it lived and how to fully take up all the space that I do take up in white spaces comfortably. Um, so it was a journey, definitely two different. <laughs> I can imagine. So how did you kind of overcome those battles? Like what are some things that you did to kind of get you through that depression? Prayer, God got me through. And having a, a through line, like having my super objective, we talk about it in acting, but my super objective was to get my degree and to learn skills and gain the kind of training that could offer up longevity towards a career that would expand beyond these three years in this small little city, in this small little school. That, like I like to remember that this was not my end all be all. This was just a, a bridge that I needed to cross, so. Yeah, that's always hard, like being in the moment and just feeling like, just looking at the end goal, like I just gotta get through this, but all praise, all power to you. All yeah. To you, yeah. It's not easy. So how do you feel that being a black woman has kind of channeled your success or kind of maybe even inhibited you away coming into this entertainment and acting industry? I, who, um, I feel that being a black woman is, it's beautiful and chaotic all at the same time. It comes with a lot that we don't ask for. And so a few days ago, I was talking to friends about a certain situation that I was dealing with and still am. And I was just saying, it's exhausting always having to fight for what I want. When I see other people who who offer less than I offer, get it right away. And when is that ever gonna stop for us? Like when it when what's the expiration date of us having to fight for the minimum? Um, because as a dark-skinned black woman, as a woman of size, I've always had to fight to be seen in spaces that I wanted to be in, to get immersed in the world, to meet certain people, to learn certain skills, to then go into grad school. So you get accepted out of thousands of applicants and I still have to fight to get a lead. I, when my counterparts who don't look like me, they just get a lead because of what they look like, not because they're good. And to now, like getting out of the industry, showcasing, getting repped, now, you know, just trying to keep the momentum of auditions and, you know, hearing they're going a different route or they want this type or they want that. And I'm like, it's always a fight. And so for me, it's like, it's exhausting. So black women, the titles that always get labeled on us as compliments are strong and resilient. And I'm like, those aren't compliments. That's just survival. That's just how we get the bare minimum. I have to be strong and resilient to get the bare necessities. That's not a compliment. That's actually an insult. That's actually traumatic. <laughs> That's actually harmful. When people just can breathe and get water and get food 
and get light and get resources and get opportunities hand, like right at their door. And I'm literally begging, I'm, walk, I'm going to the doors and knocking. That's what we have to do. And so that's what it feels like being a black woman. And, and it, it's mostly that. And then there, there is a, a reward of just being people created from, you know, from God, like straight from his image and being of the sun and the moon, all of that, like being that. And that's what keeps me going because, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, you know. Besides you being well overqualified for these roles that you got, like in The Good Doctor and in Miss America, tell me how you're able to seize these opportunities. Ooh, um, it's so crazy. I showcased in 2018 for my grad school program. So I went to New York and I went to LA and we did, me and my classmates did a series of scenes in front of casting directors and agents and man managers and professionals in the industry, you know, just to create relationships and hopefully start to work. And so Showcase went really well for me in both cities. I was able to get read by an agent and a manager. And also in LA, in my LA Showcase, I met with an executive from NBC who was currently casting the NBC Showcase for um, diverse talent that year. And they were already in the middle of auditioning and she was just like, I think you'll be great for it. Like, can you submit a tape to me? So I did. And then I got a call back and I submit another tape. And then I had to come in person and do some improv and come in with some characters that I created on my own. And I got it that same year. I, I, so I'm so glad I listened to God and I listened to that gut feeling inside of me that was like, look, where opportunity is knocking, you need to go. Like go where you are loved, go where you are asked to be. You know, that's kind of another philosophy I go by. Like if I'm invited, go. And if it's, if it's a part of what I wanna do, it makes sense. And so LA was like calling me in a different way. And so uh, I spent the summer of 2018 just uh, going, flying back and forth between that and Seattle because I was still ending my time in grad school and rehearsing with my cohort at NBC. And then I remember September, I believe 13th of 2018, I showcased with the NBC showcase. And then that next morning at 6 a.m. I flew back to Seattle to do to start rehearsals for a show that I had booked in Seattle. So I, spent my last, so I spent the last three months of that year in Seattle, but I would fly back and forth because the showcase lend, a, like, lend itself a lot of opportunities from that. So I started getting auditions and getting called in for certain roles. So I would fly in just to audition, spending a lot of money, but it was all investment because the money all came back. So January, top of January, 2019, I officially moved to LA and couch surfed that whole year between LA and New York. And, uh, kept auditioning and I was sleeping on the couch, kept auditioning, kept auditioning. And I remember my manager saying like, you're gonna book something soon. We keep hearing great things about you when you audition. Like, I know that it's um, discouraging, but it's gonna happen soon. And I was like, okay, girl. And I just remember walking around the apartment I was couch surfing and I was, I was the only one in the apartment at the time. I'm just like, God, something's gotta give. Like, I don't know what else to do. Something has got to give. I, I need a booking. Like, I can't keep doing this. I have to find my own place. I can't keep sleeping on someone's couch. Like, this can't be it for me. And I remember calling a friend and venting to her and she was like, it sounds like you need to be of service right now because you're waiting for something, but you need to be of service. So that's when I started applying for some like teaching artist positions. And I started working with Unusual Suspects Theater Company and I was teaching playwriting to girls in a juvenile detention center. And it was amazing. And 
I, then I started teaching at another studio, teaching other actors, just starting off in the LA industry, teaching them improv and like monologue study. And that was, that fulfilled me because I do still love to teach and I love to coach other actors and inspire other actors because that's what it's all about. And, and there, during that time, Margaret Sloan's audition came through and I remember being like, okay, I think I can play her, but not knowing she was real. I did myself tape with a friend, got a call back. And the crazy thing about it, my callback was around the same, was around the time um, UW, my grad school, was doing its next showcase. So the class after me was showcasing and I was helping them with their showcase, which I had just done myself a year before, doing this callback for this show that within a week I booked. So I booked a year after graduating from grad school, my first job. And that was an experience because I was with some heavy hitters and I couldn't believe I was in that room. Like imposter syndrome almost took over, but there were moments I just had to kind of like just breathe and just say, okay, I'm here. Yes, these are people that I've watched for years on TV, but now I'm on TV with them, which is ridiculous. And literally a year after Mrs. after booking Mrs. America, I booked The Good Doctor. So it, it looks like the ball is like, but it's like, do, do, you know? So there's some space in there, but yeah, um, I, I got the opportunities through my agent. Um, getting the audition is always the job of the actor. And they, they work hard. So I love the, the roles that you are playing. Like for example, in The Good Doctor, you know, in reality, you see that 5% of black people are actual doctors. And then I think it's 2% are female doctors. So what is it like kind of playing this black female doctor role? And how do you feel like that serves as black progression, you know, because so many times we're overly represented so negatively in the mainstream media. So what yeah. is it like playing somebody who is just so different from how we are normally portrayed in the media? Um, it, if, it, it has a lot of pressure with it because, you know, we're not a monolith and we're many things. And so I always want to be careful especially roles like this with The Good Doctor, that it's not a stereotype, that she has, you know, different colors. And I love to always bring nuance to my work. And I hope that that is what I, I continue to do. Um, that she, you know, I, I just want to represent women who are just like me. I want when little black girls, chunky, dark-skinned black girls watch TV, they're like, oh my God, there's me. And they're proud to say, that's me. Like it warms their heart to say, oh, I can see myself in her. Cause I didn't have that growing up where I could say, oh, like I didn't have many representations, like representations of that on TV that I was like, oh, I'm proud to actually say like, I can be her. Who was my, you know, I could say, yeah, oh, I'm like Kelly and Michelle, but also Kelly and Michelle were not my size. Mm -hmm. So who was there that she was being uplifted and praised for not only uh, her talent, but also her beauty? Because we're all beautiful. And there were not that, there, there weren't, there weren't that many uh, representations of that for me growing up. So that's one thing that I think is a duty for me and, and definitely a purpose in my life that I've always, that I've spoken over my life that I do want to be that kind of representation and that I don't want Dr. Jordan Allen to be a stereotype. She will not be a stereotype. <laughs> she will have um, different colors and play different notes and, and, and 
be from Philly and have raised her five brothers, help raise her five brothers and know how to code switch in this, this in this professional world. And she's also a hustler and she loves money and she has stories and she's also a comforter and she loves hard and she's also very self-aware and she's smart and she doesn't hold her tongue. So I, I always ask, you know, who can see themselves in this? It can't just be me seeing myself in this role. It's gotta be that my friends see themselves in Jordan. The girl from around the way sees herself in Jordan if she ever turns the TV on. Maybe she sees it in my hairstyle. Maybe she sees it in the clothes that I'm wearing. Maybe she sees it in the look that I give to a counterpart. You know, so it, it does come with a big responsibility. And I think just seeing a dark-skinned Black woman on that show is, um, <laughs> says that, that t network TV is evolving. Because I think I, I'm one of the darkest people on the show. <laughs> so, um have you ever been put in a role where you had to play something that you just weren't comfortable with at all or just something that went against your values? I don't think I've ever played any roles that I would say is just not me. So that's a good thing. Um, but I have declined auditions for, for certain roles because it just wasn't me and it was a stereotype and it was written with no care. Um, and me as a dark skinned black woman of size, I have to really choose the right kind of roles that I want on my resume and the right kind of stories that I say yes to and lend my time and my creative, uh, my creativity to like, I, I don't want to waste my time telling stories that don't offer a lesson, some value that doesn't put, that doesn't show me in a nuanced 3D way. And I, I completely agree that you should do that because too many people are so willing to kind of say yes to anything. And that just says a lot about how, how you are. And this rhetoric can be applied to so many things. Like in the music industry, we just kind of accept how they portray black women and how we exploit them because that's just how it is, it's catchy. But why can't there be people who are doing different things that look like us? That way we're sending this message out you know that this is all it is. Yeah. We have adopted this idea, especially in the industry. It's always being booked and busy. And I'm realizing I don't need to be booked and busy. I, I'm like, what about being booked and intentional, booked and purposeful, booked and aligned? You know, like that's kind of, that's the way I want to, I want to be booked that way. And there are careers you can see of other actresses and actors that you're like, that's booked and intentional because the every role that person played was powerful it, it brought awareness to something greater than us it had some kind of weight um to it it was nuanced it was 3d every role chadwick said yes to is was monumental was huge these were great roles he never did a role where it was like what is this mm-hmm you know what I'm saying? There are other, Viola, Angela Bassett, Regina King, they pick roles that have meaning to it, that create great representation for people that people can see themselves in, whether it's drama or comedy, you know? And that's the kind of career I want. We need more representation in black media by black people, you know, like, so I'm here for you with that all day i just i just really love everything that you stand for um i, I went in one of your interviews i remember you saying the power of your name and saying your name ah! 
that's like one of the exercises when I work with kids sometimes, mm-hmm. younger kids, especially when you work with high school, middle school age, they're just, they go through this moment of puberty and a moment like kids can be brutal and that is where confidence gets stripped. And so the simple thing of just being able to say my name is always strikes me when it's not on their voice. It's like under, there's no confidence in it. They don't want to take up too much space because they don't want to be seen as too much. They don't want to be too, you know, like too into themselves because they'll be judged. And that is one exercise I go to first. And there is power in how you say your name. And there's power in your name because that's, that's the first word that was put on you to take on for the rest of your life. And there's so many, there's so many, Uh, distractions interrupting your mind and spirit from you just deciding hey I wanted just to get to know who I am like who I am is dope enough like I like being different like my mom always said being different is a good thing embrace it I've always been the different one in all of my friend groups and so I've just embraced it more than like that that could be just a superpower of mine like I'm not like the girls you see on Instagram I'm not like this I'm not like that I'm Bria and Bria is enough. Bria's dope. Bria's beautiful. Bria's complicated. Bria's funny. Bria's, Bria's gorgeous. Bria is smart. You know, like all of those things, but I still do like as, as we all, we all deal with confidence issues, but I can say that I'm learning to like, lo- like love all of who I am. I, I felt that. I felt all of that. I'm just letting it sink in. And, and I love that you're teaching this to the youth that you're teaching this to young girls or or young men because a lot of the times that's where the stuff starts you know it starts in the homes it starts with teachers so i'm i just love that you're doing that i just try to pour into people what i would want to hear if i was going through what they were going through because you're going to have enough people telling you no and enough people picking you apart so how dare i do that like i don't need to do that no so it's crazy how pain becomes news. Like it's almost like you don't want to experience the hurt, but when you use when you use that positively, you just can create so much. I mean, you you built a brand on being a black woman of size, being somebody who doesn't look somebody who's just different. Like that that speaks to who our people, the pain our people went through, and they could still smile, dance, pray to a god that we, we come from that kind of seed and soil people pain is the familiar thing we're trying to choose non-suffering now we come to a place where it's like we're different we don't have to suffer anymore and so i can talk to you all day i can too for real like i'm this is just such an amazing opportunity. You're, you're an inspiration to the people, to black women, to young girls who have nobody to look up to, nobody to identify with, really. And I just think that that's such a beautiful, different thing. And it's so well needed. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me, girl. I'm honored and I'm looking forward to the piece. And this was a lovely interview. Lovely, lovely interview. Ask great questions. And it felt more like a conversation. So-